Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, this isn't something that only wealthy people can benefit from. If you start early and you start investing in the stock market, you can become wealthier. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. It used to be that you if you didn't have much money, it was a waste of time getting involved in the stock market because the charges of the commissions would just erode your capital. But today you can trade for free. Hi, and welcome to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Today, I'm pleased to welcome a forensic accountant, a trainer of private investors, an author, a veteran equity analyst, and a former partner and head of research at two multi-billion dollar hedge funds, Stephen Clapper. It sounds like I'm introducing a whole bunch of people, not just one man. Hello, Steve. Hi. How are you doing, Phil? I I was wondering there. I was thinking, well, who else is on this podcast? (laughs) I know, I know. So anyway, Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in finance and how you got started in this game? Well, I got started in the game pure, I mean, pure accident. I actually went along to meet somebody to learn about the stock market and, you know, what sort of opportunities there were. And I came out of this sort of meeting, which I understood was simply to learn about what the opportunities were. I came out with a job offer, which was pretty lucky. And um, Where and when was this? So this was a long time ago. In England, in London? Yeah, in London. So what happened was I'd been offered a job by a and a very high powered job by one of the big UK companies. And they'd made a slight error because they offered me a decent salary and package. And then they called me up and they said, the personnel department pointed out that you're too young for this grade. And I said, well, you know, I'm either do the job or I can't. And they said, well, you know, next year you'll get promoted. And I said, well, I'm not interested. If I've got to be in a job, you've got to serve time. Why would I want to do that? And my brother-in-law very kindly introduced me to his secretary's husband, who was in the city. And he said, why don't you go and see Bob? Because the city is a meritocracy. You know, people working in the stock market, they don't care how old you are, what you look like, what religion you are, anything like that. They care about whether you're smart. And I went to see Bob and I said, so, Bob, tell me, what sort of jobs can people like me do? And he said, well, I think you should become an equity analyst and I think you should come and work for me. So I just, you know, purely by accident, ended up going to work for a company called Horgavet, which no longer exists. At the time, Horgavet was a number five broker in the UK. And I went in to be their corporate finance research analyst. So what that meant was that I did the research for all the corporate transactions that either they didn't have an analyst or the analyst was too busy to do. So it was really fascinating insight, introduction to the to the world of finance. But I, I mean, I knew nothing. I could spell PE ratio, but I couldn't have told you how to work it out. You know, I was literally, I knew nothing. You had to learn on the job, did you? Yeah, well, I mean, there was no training program, you know. 
this was the old fashioned city. Basically, I did the work for the chairman, who was one of the real movers and shakers in the city. At the time, the conglomerates were very active. So he was acting for, I mean, at one point, he was acting for multiple um multiple clients in multiple takeovers. I remember one minute he was on the phone to Lord Hanson doing a hostile takeover of Imperial. The next minute he was on the phone to Lord Sterling or then Sir Geoffrey Sterling doing a takeover for him. Obviously for me, it was incredibly fascinating because I was you know, able to look in on the inside and all this frenetic um, activity at an incredibly high level. You know, Richard would call me up and would take me to a meeting and it would be just him and the chairman of a major company. And um, I would be then invited to contribute to the conversation. Most of the time, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but they never seemed to worry about that in, the, in those days. They didn't worry about what you knew. They worried that you could just wing it and get by. Yep. So when you say you became an analyst... That's basically to look at the fundamentals of a company. Is that the case? You're looking at the numbers. Well, at that stage, obviously, you didn't seem to know very much, but you were learning to do that, to assess a company based on its um, financial structure. Yeah, well, I trained as an accountant, so I knew how to read a balance sheet. I just didn't know the valuation part of it. So I didn't, the stock market part of it, I didn't know anything about. But of course, there were lots of people in the firm that did. And they could they could help me. And what was very important was being able to read the balance sheets. And in fact, what was slightly surprising, given that Horgovat was a number five broker, was that there wasn't a great deal of skill in the balance sheet reading department. So in those days, what we had was we had an accountant that sat in the research department and he did accounting research, which included acting as a focal point for any questions. So if you were an analyst and you didn't understand something in the accounts, you could basically take the balance sheet to Richard and Richard would go through it and explain to you what the company was doing. Of course, having some other accountants come in gave us much more firepower in that area. And I think that was one of the things that Bob, the head of research, wanted to do. So as an accountant, what is the importance of a balance sheet in reading a company and getting an idea of, of what a company is doing? And I'll just preface this at this point by saying that anyone can go to a company report and have a look at the balance sheet. That's the case, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the balance sheet is, is like the central part of the, of the accounts. If you think about the company reports, everybody pays very close attention to the profit and loss account. So when the company's earnings come out, and that's the earnings number is the number that all the analysts really get fixated on, the earnings per share number. And um, what's really particularly relevant for an investor is the cash flow statement, because how much cash the company is generating is really the critical element in understanding what it's worth. And tying those two financial statements together is the balance sheet. And the balance sheet is simply a statement of financial position. So it's how much do you own in the way of assets and how much do you owe in the way of liabilities. And the interesting thing about the balance sheet is that if you're skilled at interpreting it, you can detect companies that are cheating. You can detect companies whose performance is slowing, things that aren't necessarily as obvious from the profit and loss account, or even from the cash flow. 
And I teach people how to do this in my courses, both my courses for institutional investors and my courses for private investors at my online training school. And the, the thing is, I think many people get slightly frightened because, you know, you open a set of accounts, they're usually quite big, right? They're usually quite bulky. And there's all these numbers there and you kind of feel that you don't know where to start. And in fact, it's much simpler to understand than people in finance would like you to believe. Mm. The, the problem with finance is that everybody in finance has got a vested interest in making it appear as complicated as they possibly can in order to scare off the lay person and in order to extract commissions from you. And the more complicated they make it sound and the more complicated they make it look, the harder it is for you as a as an investor to understand what they're charging you. And this isn't something that just affects people that feel they don't have much knowledge. I mean, I find this every day I come across examples of this, even in my own personal account. So I have an account on a trading platform in the UK, and I couldn't understand why this particular transaction hadn't made me more money. I ended up phoning up the broker and saying, what's going on here? And it turned out the broker was skimming commission charges, which were, I mean, I wouldn't say that they were dishonest because if you read enough of the small print, you know, 10 lines in or 10 paragraphs in or 10 pages in, you would find the reference to the fact that they were, they, they were taking this commission. But it wasn't obvious. They were really taking more money from me than they should have been. And they made it extremely difficult to detect. So, you know, this is just the, the whole way finance has operated for many years. And it's my mission to simplify finance and to enable the ordinary person to take an interest in their investments and to understand what's going on and to make sure that they aren't ripped off and to make sure that they've got enough knowledge that they can actually make investments in the stock market and feel comfortable about it and see their wealth grow and enjoy doing it. It's incredibly satisfying and rewarding when you get, I got an email the, the other day from a very nice lady who said that she was enrolled in one of my courses. She felt that she knew nothing about finance and her husband wasn't doing as good a job of it as she felt he could be. And so she was going to learn about it, spend some time, study, understand what she was doing so that she could help him manage the, the household finances. And, you know, this isn't something that only wealthy people can benefit from. If you start early and you start investing in the stock market, you can become wealthier. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. It used to be that you, if you didn't have much money, it was a waste of time getting involved in the stock market because the charges of the commissions would just erode your capital. But today you can trade for free. So the only frictional cost of dealing in the stock market is a spread. You know, the difference between the buying price and the selling price, because there's so, such high volumes today, those are much narrower than they used to be. So the days when I started in the city that it was very expensive to invest, they're long gone. So this is really accessible for everyone. And Bill, I feel quite passionately about this. We're in an era in which bonds yield nothing. And if bonds are really, really low yielding, there's only one way they can go. 
they can only lose you money. So people have to have the vast majority of their wealth, their savings, their pensions, whatever it is, in stocks. Well, they may find some other assets, you know, the infrastructure assets or, or, or other assets. But the days of the 60-40 portfolio where you put 60% of your money into equities and 40% into bonds, those days are gone. So you need an alternative. And the simplest, easiest, most accessible alternative for every person is stocks, rather. The bonds you shouldn't have and stocks you should have. And what I'm trying to do is to enable people to understand stocks better. And, you know, for, not everybody will find this interesting and enjoyable and fun in the same way as I do. But, you know, if you read my book or you take my courses, it's relatively easy to understand how to invest in the stock market. And you can do it safely with a little bit of time, a little bit of energy, a little bit of effort devoted to studying what you're doing. You can make money without a huge amount of risk. Because obviously, any equity involves risk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Steve, you're coming to the point now where people do get scared about the stock market because they've seen how wildly it can gyrate. So a lot of people don't feel a lot of safety having all of their money in the stock market. It's just an intuitive thing to them. Can people get into the stock market and how do they deal with those gyrations that are going to be inevitable? Well, look, it's obviously, it's very discomforting when you've got 100% of your wealth in the stock market. You know, it falls 10% in a week and you feel 10% poorer. But if you own those shares for an extended period, you, you know, the 10%, fall will eventually be recouped. I mean, that's happened time and time again. I'm not saying people should have 100% of their wealth in the stock market. You know, most people, myself included, a home, their home is a large part of their personal wealth. But even if you aren't wealthy enough to own your own home, if you've got some savings, some of those savings would be usefully deployed in the stock market. And if you're nervous about all this, the best thing you can do is the younger, the better, start saving regularly into some form of, of stock market investment plan. And you can do that by buying a fund. You can do that by putting money into a pool, which you then invest into stocks. You do it in, in all sorts of ways. But you start saving young, then you know if the stock market continues its performance over the last century, this will be a very, very sensible thing for you to have done. I'm not sure that we'll see stock market performance, at least in real terms, as good as it has been in the last century, because we're starting from higher valuations. But of course, bond yields, bond yields are so low. And people say, okay, so bond yields are so low, what can I do? Bond yields could go lower. You know, bond yields could go negative. In Europe, we've got government bonds, which are negative yielding. And we could have that 
all over the world, potentially. I mean, there's nothing to stop that happening. But, uh, you know, whichever way I look at it, I think most people would be wise to consider the stock market as a central plank of their savings efforts. So you believe anyone can analyze companies and make rational decisions, anyone from any educational background? Well, I'm not saying that, you know, people who don't have an education will find it easy. But the average man in the street, the man in the Clapham omnibus, as I like to, to call it, you know, the average person can make very effective investment decisions because the average person has got experience of some aspect of life, of work, of their education, which makes them an expert in something. My wife is a housewife. You know, we've been in lockdown. She complains at the best of times she doesn't get out much, you know, but obviously she hasn't got out at all. But what's she doing? She's buying the kids' clothes online. She's shopping. I mean, we've had an account with Ocado, the online supermarket, for many years. And my wife thinks it's a fantastic service. Well, she's experienced that service firsthand. She's experienced all the competition firsthand. She knows exactly how good that business is. And she can take a quick look at the accounts and see, oh, it's profitable. And if she'd bought shares in Ocado, she would have made a huge amount of money. We're having a conversation this morning because Arcadia, one of the big uh, clothing retailers in in the high street in the UK, has, has gone into administration, very sadly, putting about 13,000 jobs at risk. Now, that's very sad, but we were having a discussion this morning about which other retailers might potentially benefit from that closure because Next, for example, is quoted in the UK and it's a big competitor of certain of the Arcadia brands. So, you know, just using your personal experience and just using your common sense, saying, well, if Arcadia, their 660 shops have closed, well, presumably, Next will get some of that custom and will do better. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not rocket science, is it? I mean, it's just common sense. And I think most of investing is common sense. And for you, cash generation is one of the keys to the success of a business. Yes. I mean, you always value a business based on the cash that the business produces. So... The classical way of doing evaluation is to do a discounted cash flow analysis. And this is when you start getting into the jargon that frightens people. But if you just think about what this is and you relate this back to your personal experience, you know, how much are you worth? Well, you can look at your balance sheet and your balance sheet is simply, you know, how much is your house worth less the value of your mortgage plus the, you know, your savings. And that's how much you're worth. But an alternative way of thinking about how much you're worth is to say, Phil, you're a very skilled guy and you're going to earn a very good salary over the next 20, 30 years. Ah, Phil, I've got no idea how old you are. right? But, <laughs> and you can think about, well, over my lifetime, I'm going to earn 100,000 Australian a year, less tax, and I'm going to have cash coming in of 50,000 a year for the next 20 years, that's worth a million dollars. And you could discount that back today to reflect the time value of money. And you could say, well, you know, I'm quite a valuable commodity. 
And if you think about a business in the same way, a business that will make how much money will it make over the next 20, 30 years, then you can add up those cash flows and discount them back to today to understand what the business is worth. The concepts sometimes are slightly complicated, but once you understand the concept, the execution is relatively straightforward. To do that analysis is quite easy to do once you've done it a couple of times. And what I do in my online courses, I give people the opportunity to practice. So I give them exercises so they can try out evaluation. And then I give them the answer and they can compare their spreadsheet answer with my spreadsheet answer. And if they don't understand something, then we have a community in which they can ask questions. And usually the other students will say, oh, you made a mistake here, or you've done something wrong. Or... And so we try and get people to help each other within the community. So people that have come to seek your guidance, what are some of the common mistakes that they've made leading them to the point where they feel that they need to seek help? Um, I don't know that it's the fact that they've made mistakes. I mean, people come to me because generally they feel that they've got to a point where they would like to do more in the stock market and they want to improve their skill and confidence level. I've got clients that are students that want to get a job in asset management. I've got clients that have retired, sold their business, and they don't trust their financial advisor and they want to be able to be in control themselves. That's a very popular reason. And then I've got a lot of people who are sort of 35 to 49. They're in the middle of their career. They've started investing. They've realized that if they could get a bit better at it, then just if they made 1% more per annum, then compounded over the next 20, 30 years, that will add up to a huge amount more money that they'll have to retire on. And they've realized that actually improving their skills is the most valuable investment that they can possibly make. Warren Buffett, this great saying, is said, the best investment you can make, invest in yourself. And it's so true because the younger you are and the more you improve your skills, not just my courses, whatever field of endeavor you're in, the younger that you are, the more you invest in yourself, the more you train yourself, the more you develop your skills, the more that will compound over time and it will make you a much happier, more satisfied and probably financially richer as well when you get to, to my sort of age. You know, I, I wish I'd, I'd done some of this work earlier in my career, to be honest. So tell us about your book, The Smart Money Method, which was released last week, I believe. Yeah, so um, The Smart Money Method, How to Invest Like a Hedge Fund Pro. It's a slightly cheesy title, but, you know, if you're trying to distinguish your book from others in the shelf, it's important to try and make people want to buy it. The beauty of this book, I think, is that it's a book which anybody can pick up and read in an afternoon and they will learn something. And I've had such complimentary comments from people. I, I'm really so pleased about it. I mean, we were very lucky. We did a big promotion on launch day and the book went to number one in the investing category. And what people have told me is that even experienced investors have said, you know, this is a very useful guide as to all aspects of investing. It's a how-to guide. And, you know, somebody who's a graduate trainee starting in the investment business will find this incredibly helpful. 
But even people that are quite experienced will um, learn something from it. But most important to me is people who are novices, who find the stock market scary, will be able to read this book and they'll be able to make up their mind. Is it that difficult? Is it that scary? I mean, some clearly will go, you know what? That's just too difficult. I don't want to do it. But I think lots of people will go, you know what? This is simpler than I'd realized. And the, the book goes through the research process that I followed when I was working at the multi-billion dollar hedge funds. So I've honed and crafted a technique and a process that is really super effective. And I explain in the book how you do it. So, you know, I was investing millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in individual companies when I was at the hedge funds. And I know in detail how to do this. I know in detail how to assess the risks. I explain in the book, for example, how do you figure out if this is a good business, if it's a quality business, if it's something that you is safe to invest in. And there are sort of checklist items and clear explanations of the sorts of things you should look for. And what I've tried to do is I've tried to make it completely jargon-free. I probably haven't totally succeeded in that, but there's no numbers in the book. You know, it's not full of fancy formula or Greek letters or any of that. It's a, a book that you can sit down and read, you know, when you go to bed at night. It's not difficult to read in the slightest. And what I've done is I've included, you know, lots of anecdotes from a long career um, in the markets. Can you share an anecdote with us right now? Just before I came on air, um, one of the brokers that I used to use, a very nice chap in Hong Kong who used to cover the utility sector, just posted on LinkedIn that he'd bought the book and he was looking forward to reading it. And he said, you know, I know it's going to be full of useful advice for graduates that are getting into the industry. And he said, you know, I used to broke to Steve and it was always a frightening experience because he was the guy that always used to ask the really difficult questions. The last time um, we met was at the, a conference in Hong Kong. It's a big investment conference. It used to be held every, every year in Hong Kong. And Simon was a utilities analyst. And I was sitting in um, a meeting room about to listen to the CEO of Suzlon, which was an Indian wind turbine manufacturer. And it was a massive growth story. And Simon came in and sat beside me. And this CEO was talking um, about the opportunities in the Indian wind market. And I turned around to Simon and I said, I don't believe a word that this guy is saying. And um, sure enough, the business, I don't know if it actually went bust, but the stock completely collapsed. And, you know, so many times I've sat in a room listening to the CEO of a company and thought, man, that guy is talking nonsense. If you do it for long enough, you end up with a nose for these things. And often you'll find that there is somebody that you just don't trust. And I found that trusting your gut is a really good thing to do when you're investing. And that's true if you're a private investor as well. You know, If you don't feel comfortable, you should get out. Your website, Behind the Balance Sheet, is where we can find more information about you. Um, just tell us how we can get in touch, some more details about that. And I believe you've got a promo code for us. 
Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Clapham. My website is behindthebalancesheet.com. And if you sign up, we've got uh, an area of the website we call the club. And it's got a whole area of free training. We've generated lots of videos. We've got links to all sorts of articles we suggest you read. So there's no need to spend any money. You know, you can learn without spending anything. And I'm happy for people to do that because I think, you know, I've got a lot of knowledge. I've got a lot of content and I want to share it. But uh, if you do want to take things a step further, we've got various courses in the online school. And with the book, we've done a course called How to Pick Winning Stocks, which, as the name implies, it teaches you how to find good stocks to invest in. And if you use the code PHIL20, so P-H-I-L-20, what we'll do for your listeners is not only we get 20% off that course, but we'll also enroll you. We've got three courses for novices. So our Analyst Academy course, a 12-month course, we get a lot of people who are completely new to investing. And so we've created some additional content for them to help them get started. So I'd encourage your listeners, please sign up, take a look, take a poke around the library. Lots of great stuff. Pick up the free training. If you're interested, sign up and get the discount on the course. Well, Steve, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks very much, Steve. Thank you. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thanks to Christopher Sulos for music production out of Garlic Breath Studio. Music flows when the money don't. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 